I think anybody can be a runner. It just depends on what level of runner you want to be. It's a new world record for Sonia O'Sullivan. Brilliant run by the Irish girl. O'Sullivan has closed the gap quietly, efficiently, but most of all, economically, and that is important. Running is one of those that you can actually get started without too much. It's probably one of the simplest sports you can do. You really don't need a whole lot. People think that they need more than they need. Well, that's an impressive piece of running so far by Sonia O'Sullivan. Yes, I am still running, but I'm running because I enjoy it. Sonia O'Sullivan is moving out nicely. Is this to be Ireland's first ever female world champion? Sonia O'Sullivan is on her way to another magnificent victory. Running is a kind of a, an adjective or that you can use to describe a lot of different things. And Sonia O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland and our home city of Cove. It's the Irishman running abroad again in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Me, Charlotte Regan and Sonia O'Sullivan out foreign. Uh, you're in Spain, Sonia, preparing for the World Championships with your training group. I'm in Mulrani on the Greenway trying to soak up as many of these luscious green miles as I can get on the road to the Dublin Marathon with so many of you. Sonia, wh- what are we looking at there? I mean, I'm looking out the rain and the drizzle out the window here. Uh, what kind of temperatures are you dealing with there? I think probably I think it's about 28 degrees right now and it is nine o'clock at night. Oof. So that's. That's pretty good, but it doesn't feel like it, you know, it's weird. It's, um, it's kind of a, it's a dry heat, I suppose, hmm. because you actually feel that it's that hot. It's very comfortable is what it is. It's actually 26 degrees right now. Okay. 26 degrees, nine o'clock in the evening. So when is the running getting done with the training group there from the Melbourne track club? Is that the, that's the group that you're with? Yeah. Well, I just came up here with Sophie on the weekend. We ran a race in Switzerland. Sophie and a friend of hers, Carly Thomas, needed to come up here and so they needed to be driven up. So um, I was happy enough to do that and then um, decided it would be a good idea to stay and have a look around this training camp because it's at altitude and um, it's a fairly remote and rural area, but there's some really good running here. So I'd never been before. Mm. Um, Nick and the Melbourne Track Club, they've been coming here for quite a few years now. So I thought it would be interesting to check out uh, another altitude warm training place because most athletes at the moment seem to be in San Moritz in Switzerland. That's like a hotbed for all athletes preparing for the world championships. In fact, anyone I meet says it's like way too crowded over there. There's just too many people. And so we're kind of happy to be up here with our own small little group. Yeah, and, and, and your own watering hole to jump into at the end of these sessions. In fact, we're going to talk to Vinnie Mulvey later in the show, who's in San Moritz with the on running team. As you heard last week, he's been invited up there to work with them. We'll hear all about it, including the Ingebrigtsens floating around the place and all the rest of them. It does sound like an absolute national convention up there. But this pad that you're at, what what town or area is this in, Sonia? And what does a training camp three weeks before the World Championships look like? Well, it's actually, um, it's less than two weeks now. Oh my gosh. Um, from the world. <laughs> yeah. So they, it's kind of, a, it seemed like a long way off and now all of a sudden it's coming along pretty quickly. So 
it's probably about 10 days out now. So most people here will be here for another week. So they'll do a training session tomorrow. They'll have a training session Thursday. They'll do something Saturday, long run Sunday, training session Tuesday, and then leave on Wednesday. Okay. So, yeah, they have just over one of everything to do. Um, two track sessions, which will be the kind of key sessions that they'll be focusing on. And the the big thing here at the moment is to, um, you know, basically maintaining a high level of fitness and, you know, not getting injured or sick. You know, mm. that's always the, the worry at this point is that most of the work is actually done. There's not a whole lot more fitness to be gained. So, um, yeah, the athletes are just ticking the boxes and ticking off the days. So you've been there multiple times and you've probably seen all types of camp. I mean, we spoke to you in Boulder, Colorado. We've spoken to you from different altitudes along the way. Uh, we've spoken to you in the snow and all the rest of it. But you, your experience of this, as you say, is the work's done. It's either done or it isn't done. It's a bit like the analogy I love to make is the leaving cert, that you can cram all you like in that last few weeks, but only bad things are going to come of it. How much of it then is the head game of that last 10 days? How are or do does Nick or do, do coaches consider that or do anything towards breeding a little bit of, um, I guess, self-esteem, confidence, whatever you want to call it, in the athletes who maybe think, who knows? I don't know. It's up in the air. Yeah, I mean, you'd be trying to, you know, I suppose any of the sessions or runs that you do, you'd be trying to see the positive in it all. But at the same time, you're just trying to keep things as normal as possible and not really change anything. Mm. Um, so, you know, they're not all running around, you know, talking about the World Championships. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably the furthest thing from their minds. They're just out there running and... You know, they don't want to talk about it because if they talk about it, then it just makes it bigger than it really is. I mean, it's a big event, but at the same time, it's just another race. Mm. Uh, so whoever was, I don't know, was that one of the athletes out there cutting the grass while I was talking <laughs> to you? But they've definitely given up for the evening. Uh, I, keep... I hope so. I was trying to move away from it. And then, <laughs> they, then they decided they were going to come a little bit closer. Well, um, uh, we're always I trying to, to yeah. for the heat here. It's amazing. The grass here, they kept it really well. We're staying in it. Nick has decided that because I'm here for three days that we get to stay in a nice place <laughs> up on the hill <laughs> with some like luscious green grass down there. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, but it obviously is well watered and well cut. Well, the <laughs> I tell you, there's no grass in Ireland that gets better watered than the grass I'm looking out at here. Uh, in Mulrani uh, this week I did my long run along the greenway from Mulrani to Ackle 26 kilometers out and back absolutely glorious but when you talk about green I mean it just it's just rainforest essentially you're dealing with here I'm always trying though and we're always trying to do this with the Irishman running abroad is talk to Sonia about what the pros and the elites are dealing with and how we can pull it back draw parallels and lessons for our own running, whatever event you're preparing for. Maybe you've got a 5K or a 10 mile on the horizon and you have it this far planned in advance that there isn't it isn't that dissimilar, is it, Sonia, that if you're preparing for Dublin, you need to reverse engineer so that you're in the best possible headspace 10 days out, feeling as confident as possible. Uh, 
what uh, what would your advice be to our listeners who are going right? Yeah, well, that is what I want. I want to feel on top of this with ten days to go. Are they best to actually take their plan and look at it from that perspective, as in the start line and work back to the day that they're in right now? Yeah, well, I think you know once you start training for any event, the marathon, like you know when you start when you first start to plan out your plan what you're going to do for the weeks or the months ahead is you definitely look at the finish line date and you work backwards and you start to fill in the gaps you know you'll have it all written down when you're going to cut back your long runs um, when you're going to have some easy days some days off some lighter sessions so you put in all the hard work at the front end of the training block Mm. and then you if you have it planned out properly like you wouldn't plan it out with your coach or whoever you're chatting with to decide what to do from a long way out. But then you kind of forget about that. So, you know, you've got the stuff written down that you're going to do the month before, but you might be three months away from it. So you really just have that down there as a little bit of a template and something that you'll fall into when you get there. But you also have the flexibility to change it around a little bit, depending on how you're feeling or, you know, if, if you're dealing with any issues or anything, really, like you have to have a little bit of flexibility, but you also have a basic template of where you'd like to be. Yeah. And part of that, I guess, is doing these tune up races that we did a whole episode on in the past. If people want to go back, they can listen to that. But we are 83 days away from my big target race, which is the Dublin Marathon. I'm keen to know that because I'd imagine that this is a mistake that plenty of people make is that they've heard about tapering. They know what tapering is. They know that at a certain point they're going to need to ease back off. What's the mistake you see people make, though, the most in relation to that final 10 days? And in your own career, Sonia, do you remember a time when you got that last 10 days not quite right? Well, I think a mistake that people make often is that they, instead of doing it one day at a time, they kind of look too far ahead and they're looking a few days down the track or a week down the track mm-hmm. at what they're going to be doing rather than focus on the day that they're in and just getting through that and you know take it one day at a time I think that's the the best piece of advice that anyone can take is that you you do one day at a time and you don't look at the other days until you get to them and you deal with each day separately um I mean, did you do that? Was was that a thing that you fell out of the habit of doing? Or do you regard yourself as always being pretty good at that? I mean, I think I was generally pretty good. I mean, I think as long as I was fit and healthy, then I was able to stick to the plan. And I used to like those kind of countdown days because it was light work. And I was generally pretty good at filling in my days. But um, yeah, I mean, we didn't have the internet or anything back then or, you know, I suppose things that keep you entertained as much, but somehow I was able to plan out, like you'd plan out the week leading up, but then you'd also break it down into each day. And then as each day came along, you'd break it down into each hour. And without being kind of over pedantic about the whole thing, you would just kind of, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you might think, okay, what am I going to do today? And, or what do I need to do? And work out the times that you've got to do stuff and then other things that you've got to do. And just fill in the gap. So it's like anything, really. I mean, you're basically just planning out your day in your head and being organized. Mm. You so, know, not being over 
cautious or stressed about it. I mean, you know, generally if you're doing a week of training, a track session or easy days, you know, you go to the shops, you go to the cafe, you, you do all your regular stuff. So you don't over worry about walking down the streets. And some people do get like, you know, they don't want to walk anywhere, you know, in the days leading up to an event. But why not? I mean, you've done plenty of hard sessions where you've been walking and doing normal stuff. So why all of a sudden would you not do normal stuff? So I think the main thing is uh, you just normalize things as much as you can and you don't stress or worry about it. Well, of course, you're leading to the 1995 World Championships where you won the gold was insane. Like 23 wins, 25 races. <laughs> I mean, I would say that that's when you're more likely to get in your head where you're like, this is almost too perfect that it nearly, it, it feels, it must feel strange. Do you remember that role that you were on at that time where you're hopping out of your shoes? Like, What was that like and how hard was it to keep it normal, as you say, and live day to day in those moments? But it wasn't that hard at all because it was everything was going so well that you just kind of you were going with the flow and you were just enjoying it. And like I didn't count up how many races I ran until, you know, years later probably when someone asked me. But I never really I wasn't keeping a head count as the year was going on because when you do things like that you accumulate, you know, tiredness, I suppose. Yeah. And you remind yourself that you might be tired or you know, it's a bit like when you fly a long way and people say, oh, how's the jet lag? And I'm like, don't mention the word, you know, I mean, if you talk about it, you'll think about it. So there's certain things that you just don't talk about it. And you just, you know, while you're feeling good, you just take that good feeling into the next thing. Mm-hmm. You don't worry, but you don't worry about the last thing. Yeah. You just keep focus on, you know, the, the next thing that's coming up. And if you're feeling good, then you, you go with it. It's uh, so hard to do, though, isn't it? Especially when you're managing, as a lot of our listeners are, jobs, family, extra commitments. Maybe your kids have their championships coming up and you're going, well, this is really important to me. <laughs> and I, I've got to find a way to, to to section off that time. Do you remember who, where you hung out for that final 10 days in the lead up to the 1995 World Championships? And was there a training camp like the one you're at right now? Um, I think before I went to Gothenburg in 95, I would have been in Teddington in London. And there were some other athletes there as well. Um, I think I can remember Bob Kennedy being there. Um, Frank O'Mara was probably around. Um, Steve Holman from the USA. So there was a number of athletes around the place. So there was always athletes to go for easy runs with, to do sessions with. And the big thing with doing sessions is that you have people to warm up with and just to go to the track with and have people around. But, but no, I mean, it, it was just normal. We, we wanted to stay in Teddington because it was where we were comfortable. Mm. And we knew all the runs. You knew how far a run, how long, how far it was and how long it would do. And, you know, we did our hour or 50 minutes or an hour in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening. And you could just go out there and run around and have a chat and enjoy it. But it, like it sounds so simple, but like you are the top athlete in the world. You regard as unbeatable at that moment in time. And uh, those people that were around you are keeping you level and on the spot. But I, I know what you say about the absence of the Internet. 
must have made that easier because the athletes that you're dealing with there are on social media. They're looking at what other people are doing. And I guess they're as guilty as any of us. You tell me, are they as guilty as any of us, modern athletes, of over comparing themselves to other people on Strava or elsewhere? Uh, well, they can be. It depends on the person. Some people more than others, um, but some people are very good at managing that. And I think a lot of athletes now realize that they have to manage, you know, what they're looking at and what's influencing them on a daily basis. Mm. Um, and a lot of them are able to put their phone aside and not be bothered about it. Mm. Um, I think I was kind of thinking the internet more for entertainment value and just, <laughs> yeah, no Netflix, you know, yeah, watching movies and things like that. And <laughs> yeah, where I probably read a lot more books and you know just read things in general. And just, you know, we went for walks and I mean, I suppose one one thing that I noticed recently when you go away to these different track meets and different places is Google Maps is so valuable because yeah. you can look up places to run, um, things to do, places to explore and work out, you know, how to get there. Yeah. You know? and, and find out if the place is open before yeah. you arrive. Oh. I mean, there's plenty of times I would have went to places and they weren't open. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, or they didn't have what you wanted, you know, or it wasn't quite what you were expecting. Whereas now you can pretty much set it all up before you even go. Well, and, you know, you know exactly what you're going to get. Well, I do need to ask about Sophie. She is, of course, heading to her first world championships, uh, senior world, champ world championships in the Irish singlet. And, you know, you can feel the pride of everybody, including yourself. Uh, how is she feeling uh, this week coming into things? Yeah, Sophie's good. She She's happy to be here in Spain. Um, she she just likes the athletes to hang around with here. A, a lot of them would be at a much higher level of training load than she's ever been at. So um, she gets to go out there and run with them on a daily basis and you know, hopefully not do too much. Hmm. Uh, that would be the big thing with her is that, you know, you're in this environment where, you know, people are training hard and, you know, she just wants to do well. You know, I'm always telling her to take it easy. You know, I said, you know, you've you've done so much this year. You just got to relax and enjoy it now. And, and she's like, yeah, but I, I got to run well. You know, she doesn't turn up and run crap. <laughs> so, you know, she wants to go out there and, and do the best that she can, which you know, will be all relative when it comes down to it because you don't know who's going to be in your heats and, you know, the realistic chance of getting out of the heats, you won't know that until the night before. Yeah, I mean, it's great to hear she's got that uh, competitive drive to go, no, 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 there is no, just take it easy and enjoy yourself. She wants to put a marker down and it is an opportunity. We wish her the very best of luck. Loads of you out there were running all around the world and it's time now to go around the parishes and see who Sonia spotted on Strava. I did, uh, did a little cheeky 5k race myself there, Sonia, in Mayo on arrival. The Island ED 5 and 10k took place. It was a beautiful memorial race for a fallen club mate and uh, Laura Hobbins, member of the club, uh, invited me down and said you got to come out and run this it's a great fun 5k I talked to her beforehand when she was sucking down a gel 
before a 10k race. I, I am here at the Island 80, 5 and 10k fun run. They're calling it a fun run, but people are taking it very seriously. Laura Hobbins is here from the Irish Men Abroad Running Group. She is gelling up to the teeth. Stop flagging me now, Charlotte, yes. okay? You're just jealous that you don't have this in your armour. I have one in my bag in my here if you want to go. down towards the road. You heard the man. First, and we will tell you where to move to there. There. All competitors. We, well, we'll talk to you afterwards, Laura. Good luck. Sonia, am I the only one that was like, it is a little odd, right? Um, well, it's about what time of the day was the race? Early morning, 10 o'clock. Uh, well, maybe she hadn't eaten breakfast. <laughs> maybe, maybe. She was using this as her quick, quick energy, you know, to get her around. But yeah, I mean, a, a gel, that would be a bit extreme. I thought you were going to stay for a 5k. I think. Um, I mean, I suppose pe- some people like to, you know, fuel up with, you know, what they know works. Yeah. So rather than kind of experimenting with porridge or toast or, you know, if you're not in your own environment, then the simple thing is to have a juice or, or what you call it, an energy drink or a gel that you know. Mm. You know the ingredients, you know how you're going to feel after taking it. Um, just to keep it simple. Yeah, so I have to say she was the one laughing in the end. Herself and her husband, Cormac, absolutely flew it. Cormac claiming third place in the men's race. Uh, I grabbed, uh, what did I grab? Fifth place in the in the 5K. This was a hilly fecker of a course, it has to be said, Sonia. There's one point you come to a standstill, you hit this hill uh, during it. But I want to give a very special shout out to one woman who was ahead of me who I just couldn't catch. Number 132, Donna Gallagher, ran it in 2059. Unbelievable running, Donna. Congratulations to you, the first woman home. And of course, Dan Charlton, who took first in the men's 5K. Who did you spot on Strava this week, Sonia? Yeah, we got this interesting one here. Emma Foy, she ran in a place called Barbate in Spain. Um, I have to look up where that is now, but it looks like it's very coastal area. She ran 11 and a half miles. No, no, was the race 11 miles, or it was actually maybe it was a point to point. And anyway, she won her. She was the first senior female, and her prize was a tuna medal. <laughs> so she had some, you know, uh, fish. Some fish to remind her of that. Her, yeah, maybe it must have been from a fishing village, but it looks quite nice. She looks very happy. And she was out there for just under two hours. Congratulations, Emma Foy, all the way over there in Spain. If you want to get a, a, ray, a run that someone you know has done that you think is particularly cool, weird or fast, just tag us. Just tag us underneath the, the activity that you've spotted on Strava. Liam Kelly is somebody who got tagged, Sonia. We uh, put out the call for the hottest run of the week. Liam Kelly, uh, where is he in Koh Samui in Thailand? <laughs> 6.29 he gets up, slaps on the Irishman running abroad singlet. So he's Sonia on his back, pushing him forward in 29 degrees of heat. Uh, that is, that's the winner for this week. He got the three miles done and I don't blame him. He called it a day at that, but an exceptionally low heart rate there. So he's, He's, uh, he's, you got a bit of blowback, Sonia, on the old pace chat now last week, I'll have to say. I got a couple of messages, people going, Sonia's telling us all to run slow, and then she's telling us those rules don't apply to her. <laughs> but I guess... <laughs> no, but I did say it was all relative. You did. I, I did say that to the people that, that slammed off the podcast in anger. 
stay tuned to the end because she does say that it is it is all relative and that is like that ain't that the truth who else did you spot there Sonia um, so well lots of people are having nice runs while they're away on holidays and um, Eamon Murphy he's actually home on holidays and it looks like he's home from Japan and he had a run up Kalini Hill um, and I don't know have you ever run up there I've seen I've seen the hill uh, yeah. I don't envy yeah. him running it's up about, it you could make a you could make a good run of like close to six kilometers out there uh, 194 meters of climbing so he was out there for yeah a good run and uh, enjoying being back home I want to give a very special shout out to Yano Hirnon as well here who got in 16 miles uh, uh, I'm not sure what day is that it must have been Sunday but he's obviously returning from injury Sonia and Yan is a, is a big member of the club uh, and a great supporter of people in the club group there on Strava if you would like to be a member of the Strava WhatsApp group which is growing in numbers all the time as people realise that they're boring their family to death with their chat about running and running trinkets and how to attack hills you need to be in the Strava or in the WhatsApp group if you message me here on Patreon or email me directly irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com I will get you added to that group as soon as possible and you'll meet a whole gang of absolute legends there uh, the head of which and the PRO of our club is Seamus McAteer so shout out to him do you have one more there Sonia before um, we get your tip of the week I have um, Ashling de Mason and she's um, ten. She's training for Dublin Marathon she's up over 10 miles at this stage and um, around the lake down there in Annecy and I'm sure it's nice and warm down there as well absolutely beautiful uh, so well done to Ashling. we have 1,992 Oh. members so we just need eight eight more and we'll be up to 2000 yeah get into the club there because you can find out about our next meetup run as well as many other things I'll be putting up the next meetup long run which will be taking in some of the Dublin Marathon course of course you can message us anytime you like as I said Irishman or Irishman Abroad Podcast at gmail.com it's time Sonia to get your tip of the week <laughs> Tip of the week, 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 tip of the week. It's Sonia's tip of the week. I need to have like a book of tips of the week so that I can just flip through and say. Yeah, pull one for whatever day of the year it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, tip of the week this week. And actually, I noticed that today when we were out for a run this morning, it was Monday morning run, so it was an easy run. Yeah, and it was over varying terrain and varying undulations, and it was probably at about seventeen hundred meters. And they weren't very worried about the pace that they were going. It was just we we're going for an hour run, and you know whatever we feel that hour with. Um, and I know you're keen to talk a little bit about pace mm. later on today yeah. as well. So I think you know sometimes you just have to go for a run and not worry about the pace and just see what it ends up with. Um, it would be interesting to know do most people you know check their pace as they're running or not well I'll uh, do a, I'll do a poll in the yeah. WhatsApp group and see get to get a gauge on that right now to see and how important that is to people you know and people do they really focus on that a lot um because there's certain times when it is important to focus on it when you're training for events mm. there's certain you know 
sessions or runs that you would do and you'd like to know what pace you're going and be specific about it. But then there's other runs that you don't really need to be that specific about it and you can just go out there and run and enjoy the run. Yeah, and also that's the run on feel, isn't it? That's when you talk about, well, you told me very early doors, turn the bleeps and bloops off on that watch and start to just get a a better sense of going inside yourself as to, well, what is effort to you? How do we find what our effort level is if we're constantly being interrupted by podcasts and different notifications from the watch? In the second half of the show, though, I'm going to talk to Sonia about how you calculate those paces. We've all heard about paces. Maybe you have no idea what we're talking about when we say paces. We're going to break it down in a bit more detail in the second half of the shows, which we do every single week over on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad, where you can get access to every single episode I've ever recorded with Sonia, right back to when I was first getting off the couch to attempt 5k. It's all over there, patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad for the price of a pint a month you get access to everything. And you'll have the bonus chat this week with Vinnie Mulvey up in the mountains in San Moritz with the On Running team telling us what's been going on there and his own take on paces and how they can help you. So, Sonia, thanks so much for this first half of the show. I'll also have the results of that poll. Do people monitor their paces as they go or how many people just run free? We'll find out in the second half over on Patreon. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. <laughs> 